the amount of money we receive will always be in a direct ratio to the demand for what we do, our ability to do it, and the difficulty in replacing us. And that is the quote of the day. The quote of the day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. Today we've got kind of a hybrid episode. It's a flashback finance Friday episode. And we're turning back the clock. We're going back to the 1950s, 1960s with Earl Nightingale. Of course, he is the, the co-founder of Nightingale Conant, the company who is so very generous to allow us to play a lot of these clips. And today, Earl is talking about a few things. He's talking about myths surrounding money. He's talking about why money is important. And he's also going to tell you about the three critical elements to earning more money. Here's Earl. Let's talk about money. Men and women have been concerned about money since the first coin was fashioned in Asia Minor about 700 BC. You might say that money is like good health and that we're concerned about it to the extent that we don't have it. The purpose of this message is to get down to the basics, to clear the air surrounding the entire subject of money. And to do this, I'm going to have to get absolutely elementary. And while you may already know most of the things I'm going to say, I think it's important that we remind ourselves just exactly what money is, how much of it is enough, and how to earn the amount of money you need to live the way you want to live, now and in the important future years. To begin... Let's get rid of the old myth, once and for all, that money is bad or unimportant. It is not bad, and it is important. It's vitally important. It's just as important as the food and clothes it buys, the shelter it affords, the education it provides, and the doctor's bills it pays. Money is important to any person living in a civilized society. To argue and split hairs to the effect that it's not as important as other things is absurd. Nothing will take the place of money in the area in which money works, and that's all there is to it. What is money? Money is the harvest of our production. Money is what we receive for our production and service as persons, and which we can then use to obtain the production and services of others. We can quite often accurately gauge the extent of our production and service by simply counting the amount of money we receive for it. You'll hear people say, money won't bring happiness. The earning and possession of money has brought a lot more happiness than has poverty. Money is a warm home and healthy children. It's birthday presents and a college education. It's a trip abroad and the means to help older people and the less fortunate. We're not saying that piling up a lot of wealth is important. What we're saying is that money is important because it's the only reward which is completely negotiable and can be used by everyone. Look at it this way. A diamond is more valuable than a lump of coal, yet that's exactly what a diamond was at one time. And just as a lump of coal can be transformed into one of the world's most valuable gems, a human being can vastly increase his or her own value to the world. Try to remember this formula. The amount of money we receive will always be in direct ratio to the demand for what we do, our ability to do it, 
and the difficulty of replacing us. A highly skilled human being is worth more money in our economy than a person who is not highly skilled and who can be easily replaced. Now, this is not to say that one person is any better than any other person or more important. Remember that in this message, we're only talking about money, nothing else. A janitor is just as important as a human being as a brain surgeon. But the amount of money they'll earn will be proportional to the demand for what they do, their ability to do what they do, and the difficulty of replacing them. A person can be trained to clean and maintain a building in a few weeks, and replacing the person is not difficult. A brain surgeon spent many years learning his profession, often at great personal sacrifice and at extremely high cost, and he cannot be easily replaced. As a result, the surgeon might earn as much money in an hour as a janitor might earn in a year. Now, these are extreme cases used to show the relation of income to demand, skill, and supply, and this is as it should be. This is why there are few limitations on a person within his or her company and industry. Their incomes will be in exact proportion to the demand for what they do, their ability to do what they do, and the difficulty of replacing them. That's why the whole idea of trying to get something for nothing is ridiculous and won't work. A top jockey will earn a great deal of money every year, which will represent about 10% of the winnings of the horses he rides. You might say riding a horse serves no useful purpose. But the demand is there, useful or not. It's the same with the star in show business. His or her income will very accurately reflect the demand for what he or she does. Now that's why preparation for life is so important. Luck has been defined, as we've mentioned, as what happens when preparedness meets opportunity. A great opportunity will only make the unprepared, the unqualified, appear ridiculous. For every one of us, opportunities are all around us, our ability to see them will depend in large part on how well we've prepared ourselves. Now, how do you stack up in this regard? While this may sound elementary, you'd be amazed at the number of people who want more money but don't want to take the time and trouble to qualify for it. And until they qualify it, there's no way on earth for them to earn it. It's like the person who wants a good-looking figure but doesn't want to change eating habits. To nine-tenths of the world's population, the average North American is already rich. There's a greater difference between the standard of living of most of the world's population and our average worker than there is between the standard enjoyed by our average worker and the richest person in our society. Our working people have just about everything the wealthiest have, only smaller. They have a home, car, often two of them, radio, TV, savings account, debts. They're just smaller. Their food is as good and just as plentiful. Their beds are just as comfortable. Their home is just as warm in the winter. They have exactly the same amount of time, and just as much, maybe more freedom. Their life expectancy at birth is about 75 years. For the rest of the world, on the average, it's less than 60. With only a fraction of the world's population, we in the free world have half the world's total money income. We have more than two-thirds of all the automobiles on the planet. So in talking about money, let's understand that we're already rich as a people. Now, how much do you want? How much money do you need to live the way you want to live to accomplish the goals you've established for yourself? Most people think they want more money than they really do and set off for a lot less than they could earn if they went about it the right way. The world will pay you exactly what you bargain for, exactly what you earn, but not a penny more. Do you remember that old poem that goes, I bargained with life for a penny and life would pay no more? Well, that's about it. 
we'll receive not what we idly wish for, but what we justly earn. Our rewards will always be in exact proportion to our service. If you don't like your income, you must devise ways and means of increasing your service. Your service must come out of you, your mind, your abilities, and your energy. A strong person cannot make a weak person strong. But a weak person can become strong on his or her own by following a specific course of action for a sufficient length of time. And a person who's already strong can become a lot stronger. It's the same with this business of money. People who refuse to do more than they're being paid for will seldom be paid for more than they're doing. You may have heard someone say, why should I knock myself out for the money I'm getting? Now it's this attitude which more than anything else keeps people at the bottom of the economic pile. They don't understand that only as we grow in value as persons will we receive the increased income we seek. If we try to stand still in our work, and millions do, we'll never know the rewards nor the joy of accomplishment and the personal satisfaction and peace of mind which come only to the person of unusual achievement. There are two distinct steps we must take. First, we must decide how much money we really want. The exact amount. Once this decision is made, the second step is to forget the money and concentrate on improving what we now do. Until we've grown to the size that will fit and naturally earn the income we seek. Once we're fully qualified for the amount of money we decide to earn, we'll soon find ourselves earning it. And we'll also discover that with our new powers and abilities, it's not more difficult, perhaps even less difficult, than what we're now doing for the money we're now earning. Ask yourself, how much money am I perfectly willing to earn, realizing that the amount I earn will be an exact proportion of my skills, the demand for what I do, and the difficulty of replacing me? There are really three amounts of money people should decide upon. One, the yearly income we want to earn now or in the near future, the amount of money we want to have in a savings and or investment account, and the amount of money we want as a retirement income, whether we ever retire from active work or not. Now, it's here that most people make a very serious mistake. They never decide on any of these three amounts of money. If you will decide on these three amounts, and if you will write them on a card to carry with you or put somewhere where you can review it from time to time, you'll automatically have placed yourself in that top 5% we were talking about. You'll have a plan for your future, a blueprint for future financial accomplishment. You'll know where you're going. And if you're serious about it, you'll most certainly get there. You see, the trouble with people is not in achieving their goals. They can do that all right. It's in not setting goals that people get in trouble. They leave it to chance and find out sooner or later, and to their sorrow, that chance doesn't work, that they've missed the boat. It's estimated that only 5% decide on the money they'll earn and then grow as persons into the size of the incomes they seek. They thus take their lives, their fortunes, and their futures into their own hands as they should and accomplish their goals right on schedule all the years of their lives. That was Earl Nightingale dropping some knowledge bombs about money. That comes from Earl's audio program, his classic audio program, Lead the Field, which is just an essential personal development program. If you have a library of personal development programs and you don't have Lead the Field, I don't even know what to tell you, but to go to iTunes, Audible, Nightingale.com, and get it and listen to it, as I always say, over and over and over again, because there's such good stuff in there. That's it for me. If you have a chance, head on over to iTunes, rate and review the show. I really appreciate it. Say something cool, or you can even just 
say, hey, dude, your show sucks. I don't want to be inspired every day. Just stop making the show. It's all good. Just just rate and review it. I always appreciate your feedback. And uh, yeah, I will see you on Monday. Probably going to be a Les Brown day because I love starting off your week with Les Brown. And I will see you then. Peace. Peace.